As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I am very honored today to be speaking with Hiro Boga. She has coached and overseen some of my dearest friends and influences and inspirations. She is a business strategist. She is a master teacher. She's a mentor to visionary leaders who are shaping the world in which soul alchemy, hear me, my listener, and conscious business work hand in hand to create peace and prosperity for all beings. It's a real privilege to welcome you here. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here and I feel just the warmth of your hospitality. So mm. thank mm. you for having me. Mm. The first introduction I had to you was Tara Bliss, who mm. is a colleague of mine. We are sort of cousins on the same doTERRA team. Both of us mm. have, uh, you know, reached great heights in the world of doTERRA and I'm really proud of it. I feel like we do great work in the world. I know that we do great work in the world and I want to thank you first for all of the transmissions that seem to come through her from you. And I know she's had other teachers and of course, but the first inkling that I had of you was through her and it was very powerful indeed. Um, mm -hmm. business as sacred entity, business as a, a world in and of itself. I want to reorient our listener today to this way of seeing. I think this is a good place to begin. So at what point did you start to speak about the soul of one's business as a distinct entity? Well, it's interesting, you know, I was thinking back. I mean, I, I've been in business for 40 odd years, some of them very odd years. Um, and I was thinking back to how all of this began, and it really began with soul for me. And the business part of it just seemed a natural extension of how I view the world and how. I see life, and which is that, you know, every element of life, whatever we're involved in, is an emanation of the sacred. And that business, like any creation, is really a collaboration with its own soul and with us, you know, whoever, whichever of us says yes to a particular business. Mm. We're saying yes to the soul of that business, and the soul of that business mm. already exists in the subtle energy realms, but it may never come into this world and into the world of form without 
our agreement and our our agreement to be partners to to create a life for this soul, just like we would the life for the soul of a child, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, it it I can't really. There isn't a, a real sequence to the two. It was just part of an organic way of being. Um, I was born and raised in India. My dad was an entrepreneur, and for for my entire life, and that was the way he. I mean, he didn't talk about his business in terms of soul, but he was one of the very first social entrepreneurs before there was such a thing. Before there was a term for it, you know, he always had a profit sharing plan with his employees. He always had a path for ownership for them. And he created a business on the same principles, the same ethical principles and the same principles of value by which he lived his life. And so for me, it didn't, there wasn't a, you know, this is how you do it. And it's different from everybody else. It was just, this is how you do it, because this is how you do everything. Right. Does that make sense? Path to ownership for everyone for whom, uh, everyone who works for him, that's that's an incredible concept. Yeah, I can see the value of of that and how it's sort of informed a lot of your work. Wow. Yeah, well, it's different here. You know, I mean, I've, I've lived in Canada for all of my adult life and uh, my dad died many years ago but so so when he was creating his business it was within a particular cultural context I don't know that that context translates as well now into the world of business as we know it but there are ways there are ways to create kind of cooperative ownership or collaborative ownership, Mm -hmm. Um, even when people are not, you know, in his his world, the people who worked with him, worked with him for their whole lives. When he died, um, all kinds of people came out and said, you know, he put my kids through school. He put them through graduate school. He put wow. them through medical school, through law school. And he, I, none of us knew anything about this. He just, it was, it was a business built on long-term relationships. And I think that that's, for me, what my business is built on. It's a long-term relationship with the soul of my business. It is long-term relationships with my students, with my clients with um, with my staff you know even in a world where people kind of move around a lot and don't stay put for very long um, I think longevity and longevity of relationship is one of the key elements of my business and that extends to you know every aspect of my business it's not that I mean, I'm not necessarily in touch with students from 40 years ago, but I'm aware of them and I'm aware of what they're doing in the world. And I hold a certain kind of space for energetically for anybody who has ever been a part of the world of my business. Um, you know, that, that kind of 
informs what that world looks like now, even if they haven't been part of my business for decades, right? Right, right, right. You know, the book that you've put out, which I own, and I'm sitting here staring at it in front of me, has been dog-eared and post-it noted and, no and highlighted and folded. Mm -hmm. The World of Your Business Playbook. The subtext here, how to create a world of welcome and belonging for you and your customers. Now, I'm going to just start by stating the titles of the chapters and the subheadings beneath each title, if I may. Is that okay with you? Sure. Introduction. Remember a time when you walked into a business that felt like a sanctuary? Our listener, remember? Whether it was a brick-and-mortar business or more so now, it's a website. Uh, you click there, you open it, and you feel like, oh, my God, I want to buy whatever's here. I want to study whatever's here. This is a place for me. The second chapter, origins. Why does your business exist? What is its reason for being? The third, values and beliefs. What do people value? believe, and hold dear in the world of your business. Language, chapter four. How do people communicate in the world of your business? And by the way, our listener, you cannot imagine how, how the prompts that unpack each of these uh, initial inquiries will lead you to appreciate and value yourself as a business owner. Language. Oh, yes, we did that. Lineage, Chapter 5. Who laid the foundations on which the world of your business is built? <laughs> Environment. What does it feel like to visit the world of your business? Citizens. Who lives in the world of your business? I mean, are you jostled yet, our listener? Visitors. Who are the customers who flow through the world of your business? Ethics. How are people treated in the world of your business? Customs. What are the unique ceremonies and customs in the world of your business? Aesthetics. What does the world of your business look like and why? Entry and completion, comma, sequencing and navigation. And this is where it gets really good. How do people move around in and leave the world of your business. Economy, those of you who are afraid of money, who don't have a great relationship to money, who still feel that money might be evil. How is money exchanged in the world of your business? And for what? Gross national happiness. I've actually been to Bhutan, so hmm. this I really appreciate. What does it mean to be happy in the world of your business? And finally, projects. How are projects planned and carried out in the world of your business? And then the final section is grow your business, grow yourself. Do you know what you've done for me? Bless you, bless you, woman. You have created for me a feeling of such pride and presence in the world of my business, which I mm. never felt before. I was so uncomfortable being a business owner. I just wanted to be a yoga teacher, and that was my thing. And you help me to create a sense of comfort, like I said, pride, presence, and, and complete solidity in the world of my business. And I will never stop thanking you for this, truly. 
That was my intention, you know. Part yes. of what happens is that so many of us are artists of one sort or another. You know, we are artists in our work, whatever our work may be, whether it's teaching yoga or it's writing or it's healing or whatever our art is. And we tend to think of business as being somehow the opposite of our art, as though it's the thing that we have to hold our noses and do in order to survive. And any relationship that's based on that, on that kind of, I don't really like you, but I have to put up with you, (laughs) is not going to be a successful relationship. No. And the reality is that business is also a sacred art. You know, it, it is a very creative place and it can... It can be the catalyst for so much growth and so much presencing because at every turn, because our livelihood is tied up with it, it forces us to face our deepest fears, to look at ancestral patterns that may be running our lives that we would be unconscious of if we were not in business for ourselves, if we were not entrepreneurs. It offers us incredible freedom to create in the world of our business the, a, a kind of prototype of the kind of world we want to live in and the kind of world we want to contribute to making for everybody else. But you start by making it first in the world of our business, and then we work out the dissonances, we work out the contradictions within ourselves, you know. Um, through those day-to-day decisions that we make, through the the relationships that we cultivate, through choosing how we want to show up when the the voice, the voices of the shoulds are very loud in the world of business and they have traditionally been male voices. Even when they are women's voices, often they are informed by a male point of view, by a very patriarchal point of view. right. And so for us to be in business is to learn to trust ourselves so radically and to discover that when we do, we actually make not only the world better, but we make really good money. We are able to really live out our values. We don't have to make decisions based on scarcity. We have choices and we can benefit so many more people because we're not tied to somebody else's agenda. You know, the buck stops with us, right. but it also it's also a very generative, creative, holy place to be. The word generative is what I think you've gifted me the most when I think about when I first opened your book and I, I I'd only heard about you from Tara and I just bought the book. (laughs) (laughs) And I opened up to origins the first time I didn't even like bother with the introduction or anything. I just opened up to origins and it said in the stark one page, this is the only thing on the page. Why does your business exist? What is its reason for being? And all of a sudden I had to like lie down and really consider why I was doing 
a business with doTERRA and what my point was for creating this portal for people to learn about the plants. And suddenly all of the words came and all of the reasons came. I've been using oils for 20 something years. Why shouldn't I have a beautiful, sacred, as you say, holy, purposeful business with it? And suddenly everything started to, it took a few years, but upon getting your book and I think it was 2019, everything started to click into place in such a beautiful way. And the word hospitality came out. Mm-hmm. On page 13 of your book, you say, your privilege as an entrepreneur is to extend hospitality, to make people feel safe, welcome, and deeply held from the moment they arrive. This is online in person, in a store, doesn't matter. And suddenly everything sort of opened. It was like, you know, I don't know, in a movie, some some gigantic aha moment. And I felt suddenly like I knew what I needed to do. You go on to say, safe enough to connect with you, be with you, learn with you, and buy from you. And suddenly... All of the badness, the evil, money, oh, commerce, oh, it's so dirty. All of that fell away. The next line, safe enough to benefit from your work, come home to themselves as a result of it, and fully receive the blessings that your business offers. Just nobody else is talking like this. Nowhere. No one. And the, the vulnerability of it and the willingness to put the language that I've had around yoga and teaching yoga and offering people a little glimpse into themselves and hopefully a long walk, a long lifetime journey into themselves, that suddenly got joined with the work that I was doing with doTERRA and with all of the mentorships and other things that I do. And everything unfurled from there. My question is this. When you came up with this and you figured out, okay, this is the this is the world I want to create. This is this is the ecology I want to create. Did you go through all of these steps that you've laid out in this book, chapter by chapter, to create this welcoming in of the people with whom you work? Well, here's the thing. For me, it was as I said, it was a really organic process. It was just it simply because I did business the way I did everything in my life, I didn't go through it step by step. I just, it was just what I did. You know, it was as, as I was in my twenties and people were coming to me and saying, Mm. you know, teach us. And so I just started with like a circle of women in my living room. Um, teaching classes and 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 it wasn't i come from a country where the teaching tradition is oral and it is relationally based so that's how i taught and before i knew it i had a business and that meant you know having systems in place having policies in place having staff having like at the time, there was no such thing as the internet. So I had a, a physical building that I bought for, for the school that I had sort of set up. Um, so all of those things required 
understanding kind of how the world of business works in the everyday world. And then in a kind of act of translation, going, okay, well, you know, I will do the things that are required of me. Obviously, you know, you, you keep books a certain way. You have certain kinds of uh, accounting systems that you have to use, legal systems that you have to use. So you, it's very much that rendering unto Caesar the things that are Caesar. And then within that framework and within that structure that is imposed from the outside, but that you agree to because you're part of a society, and those are the social and legal structures that you function within, there's still all this room to bring that spirit of hospitality, of, of reverence, of devotion, of mutual respect for sovereignty. It, 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 they, they, these are just, for me, they're just natural parts of who I am. And, and for all of us, they are, they are qualities of soul that we're all born with. We may not all have Every one of those qualities may not be as developed as every other, you know. Some of us come in karmically with certain kinds of gifts, highly developed, and others that it's our task to develop in this lifetime. But all of us have those gifts as potential. And as you choose to develop those potentials, and when you're in business, you have to begin to develop the things that are uncomfortable for you, you know. So for a long time for me, um, certain kinds of structure were uncomfortable. My way of teaching was very much improvisational and spontaneous. And yet I had to craft programs so that I had kind of a, a system of guidance and some some way of talking with people about what they could expect. And once we were in that flow, then within that, again, this room, enormous room for responsive teaching, for responsive learning, for, for responsive creation. So a lot of it for me was learning how to marry form and fluidity, structure, and flow. You know, that, that, mm -hmm. that, that for me was my personal learning. And out of that came everything that I've taught and eventually came the World of Your Business Playbook because I had been teaching these things for a long time. But they didn't start out as a structured thing. They started out as simply me being me in my business. And one of the gifts of being in business and making products and making services and making programs for the people who are in the world of your business is that it forces you to really think about what it is you do that comes naturally to you because it doesn't come naturally to everybody. And then to systematize that and to put it down in a form that other people can use. Right. Right? So you get it out of just yourself and, and into a framework that communicates with others and is useful to others. Right. 
I'm on page 42 of the book, the prompt here, what kind of environment do you want to create for your clients and customers? It takes this sort of discomfort. It doesn't matter what kind of business you're in, our listener. This Answering this question for yourself honestly takes all the discomfort of what you think you have to do out of it. The whole patriarchal assumption out of it. What kind of environment, I repeat, do you want to create for your clients and customers? And suddenly, whatever you do, whether it's massage, or you're a medical doctor, or you're direct marketing, or you're selling a product that you're creating yourself, you get to create and design the world of your business. And this is exactly what Hero's talking about. When you, Hero, when you started to welcome people into your business formally, and I know that you do various levels of this uh, now, you welcome people into small groups, you welcome people individually. How did you determine, and this is a question that I know a lot of people want to ask, how did you determine your fee structure, your level of engagement with them, and how do you keep boundaries? I realize that that's a three-pronged question, so I'll remember and remind you as you go. They're all woven together. Um, I teach, I mentor, and I've always had kind of those two wings to my business at different stages in my career and different stages in the life of my business. One or the other has had more weight. You know, there were times when I mm -hmm. did a lot of teaching, um, times when I taught really long programs, like four or five year long programs. Uh, and then times when I, the teaching became a very small part of what I did. So in terms of how, you know, how I structure my offers, how I structure my pricing, all of that is fluid. It very much depends on where I'm at. I start with myself because one of the central sort of qualities of my business is graciousness. And I was thinking about this today because I'm in the midst of creating a curriculum for an immersion that I will be teaching in a couple of weeks. And for the last few weeks, I have been really full on with that. And my email inbox has, you know, has a pile of unanswered emails. I have messages from friends that I haven't replied to. And I had to just stop this morning and I went, I don't like this. I, this is not how I want to create this immersion because whatever energy I bring to the act of creating the curriculum is woven into the immersion. Right. And so I have to step back and step back to where I feel that spaciousness that lets me be gracious. You know, graciousness mm. can't be rushed. It comes from really paying attention to each thing, each person, each task that's in front of me and being really present and being in relationship and coming from a place of, of thoughtfulness and 
And so that determines everything. It determines the boundary, right? It determines how many clients I am willing to take on Mm -hmm. at any Mm -hmm. given time. It determines um, the structure of our engagement. It determines um, my pricing policies. All of these things I want to emphasize will change over time, you know, and, and it's not always in a linear direction. It is, you know, a, a lot of people who are just starting out in business, you feel like, oh, well, I have to take on any client that I can get. Well, no, you don't, because if you take on any client you get, you are constantly reacting to what has appeared in the world of your business rather than choosing who you want to work with and then creating in the world of your business a world where they, those people feel really welcome. It's a slower way of growing a business right. in some ways and, and, and in other ways it's not. Mm. It's a much more organic process, you know. It's not, yeah, it's, you, you're, not, you're not selling yourself. I think that, that part of what happens is people, when you think that you are selling yourself, then you start to make assumptions, you make mistakes, you take things personally, and you don't actually befriend yourself. Hmm. So you, you have to, it, right from the get-go, you can shape your business right from the ground up when you're first starting out, or even if you've been in business for, you know, 30 years, you can still evaluate where in your business are those qualities in that first chapter of the World of Your Business Playbook. You know, you identify what are the essential qualities of my business. And you look at everything that you do, and it informs everything that you do. It informs your marketing. It informs the boundaries you set. It informs your how you think about profitability. I've always created things in my business that have no direct revenue generating path. None. Same. Um, the Deva cards on my website, for example. Right. But they all contribute to the world of my business. They all create that world. And so I don't think in terms of, you know, is this my highest generating revenue generating activity? Is that where I put the most of my energy and attention? I try to create the kinds of boundaries that will give me the spaciousness, the time, the support, so that each thing that I lend my creative power to I can come to in full relationship. I can come to with love and care and attention because it doesn't matter how small it is. If it's out of whack, if it's not in alignment with and or not in harmony with your values, not in harmony with the qualities of the soul of your business, the qualities that enable you to do your best work and to bring your genius into the world, if it's not, it will have huge consequences. Mm. The more that you work in this way, the more the smallest misalignment starts to have glaring effects. 
and vice versa. The more you work in this way, the smallest adjustments also have big effect, positive effect. On your mentoring page, and again, I just want to say thank you for clarifying. I too do not like the word coach, and I really appreciate your delineation that you are a mentor and a teacher alternating and sometimes together, but not a coach. I thank you for that. You say that you work with visionary women founders and CEOs who are committed and are listener. If you think you have a business of two people, so that means you're not a founder, nor are you a CEO, you are completely and utterly in for a treat because you are already a founder. You are already a CEO and you are already a visionary if you've begun. Hero, you work with visionary women founders and CEOs who are committed to crafting their businesses as creative relational ecosystems, which leads me to a very important question for many of us, the polymaths in the room who do four different things, who have felt in the past like it's either alternatingly too much or very important that they do all the different things that they do that they're, that they're good at, that, that means something to them. How do you navigate yourself and how do you teach about the navigation between these various different things that one does and craft, as you say, the physical structures through which the business begins to make the life of my community, the life of my world, richer, deeper, more abundantly peaceful, a generative, joyful force for good? I realize that you can't answer that in one sentence, of course, but what is the underlying principle that brings together all those things? Well, look for the story. You know, look for the story that includes all of these things. When you craft offers in your business, and this is often where people get kind of hung up, right? They will have eight different kinds of offers. You can say, say they're, they're working one-on-one -on -one with people, which a lot of people do when they're first starting out. And they'll have this kind of you know, product and this service and that service and that service. And this, if you think about all of it as being one service or one product, then look at what is the unfolding story? What is the unfolding journey that you are taking your clients and your customers on? If they're all part of the same story, you can have six offers and each one can build on the other or they may be laterally connected, but they are all part of a single story. Where it gets confusing and where it becomes really counterproductive is when you're not thinking about your customers and what they are going to experience and what you want for them and what they want for themselves in crafting. When you're crafting your offers, if you're not thinking about that, if all you're thinking about is, I'm good at this, I'm good at that, I'm good at that, I'm good at that, so I'm going to create this and this and this and this, but it's not related to anything else not related to where your customers are starting from and where they want to end up or where you want to take them as far as you can take them. It's the intersection between the two. It's part of that relationship, you know, between your zone of genius, what, what is really your gift. You may have many gifts. I do. 
but not all of them are made to be expressed at any given time in the world of your business and not all of them are made to be expressed in the world of your business so so think about think about what structures you need to create in your business to protect your own unique genius think about what structures you need to create in your business to protect the genius of the people who work for you who work with you think about what structures you need to create for your customers mm. that would support and enhance their genius you know whether you're you're selling essential oils or you're a yoga teacher or you're uh, a writer and and writing books and selling books and that's your thing it doesn't really matter you can have aspect each you know your your business the world of your business once it's coherent and stable can accommodate these different aspects to it and then you look for the threads the threads of story that weave them all together mm. so for example if you have a business with jutera because of the way jutera is structured you're working within a structure that is that is already established by them and you have independence within that to create what you want but you're also free to create other aspects of your business as you have and and Tara does uh and so you start to look at who are you serving in each of these different aspects of your business mm-hmm. and then what are the pathways between them where's the cross pollination between them and what can you create as offers that allow you to bridge what seem like two completely different businesses but a really one thing well they're all part of the world of your business nothing is outside yeah. of it that belongs in it you know and if something belong it that doesn't belong in it is in it it'll stand out like a sore thumb and it's also not fixed right as you grow and you evolve and your life changes and the circumstances of your life change your business will evolve with you which interestingly leads me to a topic i wasn't going to talk about you but we'll just touch on it briefly and then we'll draw this to a close the aesthetics page 77 mm-hmm. what does the world of your business look like and why i i think there's never been a better time to speak about this considering most of us are relegated to working online right now You say that beauty is a personal experience. It's a relationship between you and the world around you, shaped by your individual tastes and preferences, cultural conditioning, expectations, inner sense of harmony. There is no universal definition of beauty in art or design in cityscapes, business or life. You offer these really interesting and compelling ideas. our individual definitions of beauty may differ there are certain aesthetic features that emerge from our evolution as a species that speak universally to the human heart and you go through four different options clean horizontal lines open spaces curved horizons is one two is harmony proportion balance three chiaroscuro contrast creative surprise four the symmetry of stars okay All of this leads me to believe that you are a meditator of the highest sort. Am I correct in this? Yeah, I've been meditating since I was 2 maybe. Yes. 
<laughs> so, my God. I mean, nobody speaks like this unless they're sitting still for a very long time and, and hearing, listening well. Thank you for this, because I feel like this, if my listener is really listening right now, if you stop for a second and just write down what I've just said about these four different sort of arenas, and there are probably many more, you'll notice that you have a way of communicating visually. And that way is indicative of the story, the thread that goes between all the things that you do that will welcome the citizens that belong with you into the world of your business. And I thought it might be interesting just to hear you talk about about this for a moment. Well, I think aesthetics is, you know, it is part of your incarnation, right? It's part of your personhood. It's, it's another way of getting to know yourself. It's not just about self-expression. It's also about self-knowledge and self-understanding that when you when your external environment whether it's the environment of the world of your business or if it's your home or your office or wherever you are your car when that that environment is in harmony with your inner being it holds you it becomes an extension of your own presence and it strengthens your presence it strengthens um it strengthens your resonance. It gives you a kind of support that is invaluable. And it allows you to know, like when you pay attention to what makes you happy, what makes you feel certain a certain way. You think about your home, if you kind of mentally walk through the rooms of your home and think about each one and how each room makes you feel, and how each room holds your life and your intentions and the life of your family or whoever you live with, your pet, your children, your, your parents, you know, whoever you live with, that there is, uh, you create through the aesthetics of your home, and I'm using that as an example because everybody can relate to it, you create a space in which you feel fully yourself in which yourself can unfold and you do the same thing in the world of your business except that in the world of your business you're also creating it for other people so just as you create in your home areas that are private and areas in which into which you welcome friends and you welcome family and you welcome um, people that you're just getting to know You'll do the same in the world of your business and you'll create the kinds of aesthetic experiences that invite people to get to know you. They know you through the choices of the images in your website. They know you through the language that you use. They know you through the systems that you have set up in your business that either hold them, you know, in, in a solid trustworthy way and don't drop them so you're creating all of these things are part of the aesthetics of your business it's not just visual aesthetics it is the experience that you create through those choices the choices of color like everything that i create has this spirit of 
simplicity and grace. And there's a principle in mathematics called the elegance principle. And the elegance principle, in basically, and I'm paraphrasing it very badly, but it is that which is both necessary and sufficient. Mm. So it is both necessary and sufficient. Nothing more, nothing less. And I try with my sales pages, with everything on my website, with everything that people experience in the world of my business, that principle informs, that's my aesthetic. So the colors that I choose, the kinds of fonts that I choose, the, the spacing. And, you know, I have a wonderful designer and he and I have worked together now for almost 15 years. But each time I create something, you know, we go through, he knows that I like a lot of white space in whatever is being created visually, that I like a clean font. We have a branded font that we use. I like images that are surprising, that are not cliched, because all of these are reflections of who I am and of the world that I'm inviting people into, that this is what they can expect. They get it from the aesthetic. And it makes, it actually makes sense when I look at your website and I go through the offerings that you have. It does feel extremely spacious and inviting, welcoming, in fact. I, yeah, and that's my aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. It's also, you know, part of that spirit of hospitality and welcome. They're not separate from each other. Mm -hmm. Like the soul qualities infuse your aesthetic. Your aesthetic infuse is an expression of the soul qualities of your business. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to show your your quirkiness, your uniqueness. Yes. You know, that is what people respond to. Yes. You don't have to be be beige unless you really like beige, you know. Unless beige is your color. If beige, I mean, funnily enough, I'm wearing beige today. That's funny. I have one. I have one of my offerings is actually quite beige. It's funny now that I think about it. My my last question for you. I don't want to keep you much longer. Is page 101. I just want to alert our listener to page 101 of the World of Your Business Playbook. This might be a very important page for you if you're listening to us. Let's bring all the economic pieces together in a simple chart. And she leads into this, Hero leads into this in a, in a really beautiful, comforting, safe way to determine what it is that we are seeking in terms of the economy of our business. And this chart is the most simple thing, type of offering, number of offerings per year, revenue per participant or copy sold, Cost per participant or copy plus expenses and taxes. Total net income for offering. It's where a lot of us get caught and afraid. We don't have a language for this. It's not taught in school. We aren't really led to be comfortable earning money for our great transformative work. And I always say this, teachers who are teaching people how to see themselves with more clarity should be paid very well as well as I think school teachers should be paid like baseball players. Mm -hmm. I wish it were all turned around, you know. And my question is this, when you're walking people through this process of determining the economy and getting comfortable with the offerings, naming their price, you know, what is the 
overarching, fundamental concern to which you guide people when they are finally becoming comfortable with this? Several things. You said when they're finally becoming comfortable with this. So oh, obviously yeah. there's a whole process that happens before you get comfortable Correct. with it. But as you get, you know, as you get comfortable with one level of income, one level of profitability in your business, each step of growth in your business, each expansion in the world of your business or contraction, which change, you know, change in the world of your business will trigger unfinished business within you, right? So whatever your unfinished business is with money, and money is a very good indicator of all kinds of other unfinished business, it will come up. I know women who have, you know, eight-figure businesses who are still, they, when, when they are taking a big leap in something, in some direction that they haven't gone before, and as I said, that doesn't have to be expansion. It can actually be contraction. It brings up all that stuff around work, worthiness, around what we as women are conditioned to believe. Even if our own personal family conditioning has not been there, we live in a world in which women have been relegated to uh, a second-class status, to the status of dependence especially financially. So you'll run into that. You'll run into those things that say, well, to make, if you want to make more money, you have to do it this way, that maybe you've managed to, you know, build your business, this beautiful business in this very harmonious way. And I don't want to say feminine because men can do this too. We all have both male and female energies within us. But, but then when you reach a certain point, you have to then, you know, get serious about your business and you have to go the way that, you know, you have to deal with numbers the way that you're told numbers have to be dealt with. You are looking at, at say, venture capital financing and, and you've got to play the game in a certain way. And I'm here to say that those are the points, those inflection points are where you really develop your own character. You know, when you make the choice to stay with what is true for you and with what you know you want the world of your business to be built on because every decision you make is woven into the energy field of the world of your business. So if you make, say, for example, I don't, you know, I get invitations all the time to promote people's stuff in exchange for a referral fee or whatever, and I just don't do that. I've never done it. I don't ever want to do it. I don't. It's not part of, I mean, I have no judgment at all about how other people do these things. But for me, it's not part of the structure of the world of my business. And so if I suddenly get this amazing offer from somebody that is going to bring me, you know, an extra several hundred thousand dollars a year into my business, I have to stop and think, okay, which way do I go? This is another one of those inflection points. And each time that I choose to stay with my own values and my own beliefs and my own ethics, money comes. That may be not the same kind and maybe not, and certainly not from the same source and maybe not in the same amount, but what I need is always there. 
because there is a greater principle at play. There is a force of divine order, a force of love and harmony that supports every effort, no matter how small or how riddled with doubt. But every time you make a stand for the things you believe in and choose your values in the world of your business, you strengthen its foundation. And its foundation is financial, among other things. You know, you don't have a business if you're not making money. Feels to me important to highlight what you said about growth. And you point this out actually on the last page of the of the book. We're on page one thirty-four. You've arrived at the end of the book. What's next? <clears throat> Whether your business is just finding its place in the world or is a mature and powerful presence, it's an ever evolving being, and so are you. You grow your business by growing yourself. And here's the the highlighter pen, which I've done in my book. Growth doesn't necessarily mean expansion. You grow in depth as well as height. When you cultivate spaciousness and depth in your inner world, your outer world expands and flourishes as well. We are evolutionary beings, you go on to say, on a creative journey through life. To grow yourself, you grow your soul's presence you grow your capacity to lead, innovate, take creative risks, embody what you deeply love, and make friends with increasingly complex ecologies of relationship with the world around you. To grow your business, you shape it to hold greater power, abundance, service, contribution, and success, and more collaborative, complex relationships through which your business can evolve. And if you're ready to grow yourself in your business in this way, you say, I'd be honored to accompany you on this journey, on your journey. Um, after reading that a couple years ago now, I decided that one day I would speak to you. And when I did, mm -hmm. if I felt the same way that it felt to read that for the first time, that I was going to dive into sovereignty and the art of soul leadership, which is one of your programs. It's, it's uh, an evergreen program that you offer. It's eight audios, it's meditations, prompts, worksheets, everything. And that is my next gift to myself now that we've spoken. Oh, Thank you. I'm glad. Yeah. Thank you so much, Elena. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Thank you for all that you bring. You've taken me on a journey through the world of your business playbook, mm. which I haven't really, you know, revisited in in some time. So thank you for that too. It was a gift to me. Mm. If I had to take, you know, let's say three books with me, if I had to leave and that's all I could take with me, this is one of them. Mm. Yeah. It's, wow. it's, it's a very real presence in my life. I am so looking forward to finally diving into one of your courses. Hero can be found at heroboga, H-I-R-O-B-O-G-A.com. And again, you can find her book through the site, but it's also available at Amazon. The World of Your Business Playbook. If you are listening to this and you've made it all the way to the end, congratulations, because you have just heard from, I feel, one of the greatest influences in my life, one of the greatest luminaries of our time, 
And one of the people who will, should you choose to engage, and you don't even have to take a course, just get the book and really dive in, one of the people who will change the flavor and shape and size even of your business. Thank you so much, Hero, for being here. Thank you, Elena. Mm. Goodbye, everybody. Many, many blessings. Many. And may you experience so much joy in the world of your business. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.